Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, and we're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We are on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa and on 15255 kHz on the 19 meter band to Far West Africa, as well as DSTV's audio bouquet channel 802. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Anne Musa, Tabisa Bohoko, and Figile Lingwati. In our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at the Sawa, South Africa reacts to President Jacob Zuma's latest cabinet reshuffle and concerns in the DRC after Catholic bishops' withdrawal from peace talks. In economics news, South African Reserve Bank leaves the repo rate unchanged. And in sports news, FIFA reveals proposed slots for 48-team World Cup. But first up, the news with Anne Musa. A very good morning to you, I'm Anne Musa. South Africa's President Jacob Zuma has fired Finance Minister Praveen Godan and replaced him with Home Affairs Minister Melusi Gigaba in a dramatic midnight cabinet reshuffle. Godan's deputy, Mkrebisi Jonas, has also been axed and replaced by little-known Sfiso Putelezi. Zuma has fired a total of five ministers in the far-reaching reshuffle. Apart from Godan, Tourism Minister Derek Hanukom, Transport Minister Dupour Peters, Energy Minister Tina Jumat-Peterson and Public Service and Administration Minister Ngakura Mathori have also been axed from Cabinet. Zuma has named a total of 10 new ministers and deputy ministers. He says in a brief statement that he's directed them to work with their colleagues to bring about radical socio-economic transformation. The South African Communist Party has now decided to now has to decide whether to go through with the threat to withdraw its members from the cabinet now that Finance Minister Praveen Godan and his deputy Mkabisi Jonas have been fired. This follows the reshuffle announced by President Jacob Zuma. Tsepo Ikaneng looks at the reshuffle in general and the South African Communist Party's role in cabinet. In a cabinet reshuffle which resulted in the sacking of Finance Minister Praveen Godan and his deputy Mkabisi Jonas, None of those seen as close to President Zuma were fired. Social Development Minister Batabile Tamini and former Communications Minister Faith Mutambi, who has now been moved to public service and administration portfolio, have been retained. For now, it's not clear that the SACP deployees in cabinet, Higher Education Minister Blin Zimande, Public Works Deputy Jeremy Cronin, Sport Minister Tulas Nwesi, Trade and Industry Minister Rob Davis, and Economic Development Minister Ibrahim Patel will resign in protest of the firing of both Gordon and Jonas. The UN Refugee Agency, UNHCR, says the death of nearly 150 people whose vessel sunk en route across the Mediterranean Sea to Europe this week highlights the need for more effective search and rescue operations. The sole survivor of the tragedy, a 16-year-old boy from the Gambia, says the boat started taking on water only hours after leaving the Libyan coastline. UNHCR, Cecile says the incident reflects the increasing dangers associated with the sea crossing. 
We see worrying trends, including lower quality of vessels that are used by traffickers, um, the fact that many of the departures happen at night in bad sea conditions, and the fact that on the vessel themselves, sometimes there is no satellite phones, which means people are stranded and cannot uh, call for rescue. The UN Children's Fund, UNICEF, says rates of child malnutrition and disease are rising sharply in Somalia as famine looms in the country. The agency reports that an increasing number of youngsters are suffering from severe acute malnutrition and cholera, or acute watery diarrhea, a combination that killed many children in a famine six years ago. Pin reports. UNICEF says 35,400 Somali children were treated for severe acute malnutrition in the first two months of the year. That's a nearly 60% increase over the same period in 2016, according to the agency. Furthermore, more than 18,400 cases of cholera or acute watery diarrhea have been reported in Somalia since the start of 2017, the majority among young children. UNICEF Regional Director for Eastern and Southern Africa, Leila Pakala, described the numbers as a wake-up call. And finally, cases of depression have ballooned almost 20% in a decade, making the the disorder the leading cause of disability worldwide. The World Health Organization says the number of people globally living with depression has reached 330 million, up 19% since 2005. WHO says the figures are a wake-up call for countries to rethink their approaches to mental health and to treat it with the urgency that it deserves. More than half of the people suffering from depression are not diagnosed or treated. That's the news headlines at 8.30 Central African Time. Something is changing at Channel Africa. Could it be news? Could it be your favorite presenter? Could it be... That's for you, our listener, to find out. From the 1st of April 2017, something will be changing or happening on your radio station. Be the first one to find out by staying tuned in. Don't miss it. Remember to check our website and all social media platforms such as Twitter at Channel Africa One, our Facebook page and Instagram and YouTube. It's 8.06 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa and on DSTV's audio bouquet channel 802. Now South Africa's President Jacob Zuma has sacked Finance Minister Pravin Gordon in a cabinet reshuffle after days of speculation that has rocked the country's markets and currency, replacing him with Home Affairs Minister Malusi Gigaba. A statement from the president's office just after midnight on Thursday said President Zuma had also appointed Sfiso Butelezi as Deputy Finance Minister, replacing Mkabisi Jonas. 
Gigaba has been Home Affairs Minister, while Butelezi did not hold a position in the Cabinet and was a backbencher in Parliament. President Zuma also made several other changes in his Cabinet, affecting ministries such as the Energy, Police, Tourism and others. Let's listen to President Zuma's speech. The new members are the following. Minister of Energy is Kensani Kubai. Minister of Transport, Mr. Joe Maswangani. Minister of Finance, Mr. Malusi Gigaba. Minister of Police, Mr. Figilembalula. Minister of Public Works, Mr. Nati Tlego. Minister of Sports and Recreation, Minister Tembelani Nwesi, Minister of Tourism, Ms. Togozile Kasa, Minister of Public Service and Administration, Ms. Faith Mutambi, Minister of Home Affairs, Professor Shengi Wemkize, Minister of Communications, Ms. Ayanda Dlozo, I wish to extend my gratitude to the outgoing ministers and deputy ministers for their service to the country. I also wish the new ministers and deputy ministers the best in their new responsibilities. I thank you. And uh, that uh, was uh, South Africa's President Jacob Zuma announcing changes to his cabinet last night. Something is changing at Channel Africa. Could it be news? Could it be your favorite presenter? Could it be... That's for you, our listener, to find out. From the 1st of April 2017, something will be changing or happening on your radio station. Be the first one to find out by staying tuned in. Don't miss it. Remember to check our website and all social media platforms such as Twitter at Channel Africa One, our Facebook page and Instagram and YouTube. Well, South Africans have woken up to the shocking news of a cabinet reshuffle by President Jacob Zuma. The rumours of Pravin Gordon and his deputy MWC Jonas being axed from the finance portfolio finally became a reality after months of speculation. The reshuffle became even more clear when Pravin Gordon and Jonas were recalled earlier this week from an investors road show in the United Kingdom. Former Home Affairs Minister Malusi Gigaba is now the new finance minister. A total of 10 ministers have been reshuffled, including Tourism Minister Derek Hanakom, while former Sports and Recreation Minister Fikir Mbalula 
is now the Minister of Police. Now, to speak to us more about the political implications of this reshuffle, we are now joined on the line by political analyst, Professor Susan Boysen. Professor Boysen, thank you so much for joining us. Now, what a, what a shocking um, time frame or time period in uh, South African politics. As we saw last night, just after midnight, confirmation, official confirmation from the president coming in that uh, former finance minister Pravin Gordon and his deputy WC Jonas had been axed. We chatted about this early in the week. What essentially does this reshuffle mean for South Africa? Good morning, Lily. Yes, indeed. It is a far-reaching set of impacts that we will feel from this reshuffle. In the first place, it comes on top of President Zuma's quest to gain full control of the Treasury of South Africa, and that is absolutely effective through the accession of Gavin Gordon and his deputy, Jonas, last night, and their replacements by people, Malusika Gaba and Sifa Butelezi, who are known to be serious Zuma loyalists. But they both have their individual sets of qualifications and talents that will be placed at the, in charge of the Treasury and the finances of the country is a massive step. And that is probably one of the biggest shocks. We have heard several other names touted in this regard. None of the names have been, uh, has been as, as, as powerful and as effective as those of, of the two ousted ministers there. And then uh, it was a it was quite a surprise to see Malusi Gigaba there, um, exactly because he's qualified in other directions much better, and he has been a serious loyalist to Zuma side of the ANC for a long time. And yes, as you've mentioned in your introduction, there have been a series of other um, moves around it. The heart of it, and there are some very interesting ones amongst them, but the heart of it is what's for the president to gain control of the Treasury. We have seen several strange, interesting, horizontal moves, reshuffles of cabinet members, and I think much of that has will virtually have no practical effect on us on our politics. So those were really, I think, to distract attention away from the treasury matter that is the heart of this reshuffle. There have been a few active few persons asked, but what we know for certain, a few people asked beyond beyond the core finance ministry. No. What we know best is that the most serious ones, mal- malfunctioning ones, underperforming ones, are still in places, in their previous places or in new places. Now, Prof, let's just touch uh, the issue of, uh, you know, Malusi Gigaba. Yes, he is uh, competent, as you mentioned. Uh, we've seen the turnaround that has taken place within the Home Affairs Department where he has driven the Generation X uh, uh, um, sort of uh, uh, you know, a portfolio it was driving the digital um, time or digital space of that whole department and with great results. Now, 
you mentioned earlier, um, and it has been touted, um, this name has been thrown around so many times. And, uh, unf- well, we have not heard his name in any of uh, the, the redeployments or deployments thus far, that of former ESCOM CEO Brian Molefe. Strategic move by President Jacob Zuma or... Is it just that uh, speculation, um, as uh, you know, most pol- political analysts will say, South Africans get very excited and um, you know find themselves spinning and and speculating and overthinking issues, um, especially when it came to the issue of uh, former finance minister Pravin Gordon being axed or be, being in the reshuffle and uh, Brian Mulefa for taking over. So now seeing Malusi Gigaba coming in. A, a bit of a shocker. Yes, indeed. It is very interesting that um, Brian Malefi is not in. And here we see, obviously, the president trying to make compromises and wants to be seen to be um, adhering to some other vice and much much of the biggest controversies. Brian Malefi, by not appointing him, the president kind of compromised in some ways. By not asking several of the SACP members, particularly Blayton Zimande, Rob Davis, Ibrahim Patel, those key ones. He has many, he's probably diffused the SACP, powerful tripod alliance members, their voice somewhat. It's going to be fascinating to see whether they follow through on previous promises of very explicit dissent. Ek Pravin Gordon is asked. A very important point, which we also cannot overlook, is the fact that Ngosuzana Zuma, who has been touted widely as one of the replacements, that she is not included in that. That is probably a very strategic, strategically calculated move by both by her and by President Zuma. It's not to say that she had not been offered the position, that by not being a part in, in this current unsavory set of reshuffles, very dubious in the sense of what the president's actually mo- actual motives are, but not being involved in that. She has probably been gaining strategically also in terms of the succession race that is pending. So, uh, But I think the most shocking thing about this reshuffle, not the fact that it happened, we've become used to that, but the fact that it was done in such a brazen way by the president against so much opposition with clear statement from his side, I am the president, I am in charge, I have this formal power, even if other powers are slipping, and I shall use it. Of course, it is a massive burden that is placed on the shoulders of new incumbents such as Melissa Gugaba. His every move is going to be watched with view, bigger attention than we have watched any other previous minister and just finances moves. Uh, Prof, just to, to, to add to that, the fact that um, looking at uh, the RAND's performance against uh, other currencies, mm-hmm. uh, already we've seen a decline of about 5% just after um, the announcement up until this mo- early this morning, you know, um, are we likely to see some sort of uh, uh, stability later on? Um, because, uh, you know, as, as one of the political analysts had mentioned, is the fact that, yes, it's more about the president's moves than, uh, than anything else to see what direction the president is taking, especially with a big portfolio like the Treasury. Now, uh, Minister 
Minister Gigaba has a proven track record with other departments, for instance, the Home Affairs Department. Is it enough to ensure that the markets react more positively as as he grows and develops in this portfolio? I don't think it goes any step towards reassuring the markets because he has other capabilities, because he's entirely unproven in this type of portfolio, because he's a relatively junior member of cabinet. That is not the kind of person that should be in charge of a treasury because he has close links to to President Zuma, has proven his loyalty even a, a while ago defending the president's statements that... Professor Boyson, unfortunately, your line... So far to reassure. Professor Boyson, we lost you there a bit, uh, but uh, we, di- we did get the gist of it, the fact that he is a, a, a junior minister, coming from a, a junior minister, being promoted to a very big portfolio where he has to prove himself, and the fact that he is seen as uh, President Zuma's ally. Now, let's just go back to President Zuma and the fact that he has made these different moves where um, a lot of speculation was that uh, Brian Mulefer would be in that portfolio. You mentioned that former AU chairperson, Dr. Nkosa Zanazlamini Zuma, also a strategic move of not being included in this um, a, a cabinet reshuffle. The president, the battle lines have been drawn. We, are, are we likely to see the two centers of power come the ANC conference at the end of the year? Um, uh, yes, indeed. It's going to be a massive fight. And we are looking, this move by President Zuma has increased the pressure on, for example, contender Cyril Ramaphosa to step up and to make clear that he is not just a hanger-on to the Zuma's trains in government, that he is a clear alternative. We see these trains for solidifying in that contest for succession of Jacob Zuma. And it is a huge time in South African politics. It is the time that we have been entering now is a struggle for the credibility of several core state institutions. It is also very importantly the struggle to pull power back into democratic orientations away from the centralization type of authoritarianism within a democratic system that we have seen introduced in the time of Jacob Zuma. And now, Prof, uh, very quickly, we are unfortunately running out of time. Um, one of the political analysts had spoken of um, the fact that uh, maybe a Deputy President Sil Ram- Ramaphosa's reaction would be to either resign for, as a Deputy pres- uh, President of a country or to act in, the, in a manner to show that he either agrees with the reshuffle or he disagrees. What do you think he's likely going to do? Do you think he will continue in in his role as deputy president of a country and continue to push for um, becoming president of a country at the later stage? If we if we take by by Cyril Ramaphosa's behaviour in recent years, he has taken a, a quiet black role, endorsing the president. Very mindful that it is largely Zuma has a contingent in the ANC structures that would have to vote for him should he succeed in his quest for to become president. I think that game has ended. There is no doubt. As 
actually they oppose that Cyril Ramaphosa is actually strongly, strongly opposed, and that he can only elevate his game by really stepping out of those rules. Whether he will resign as deputy president of the country, I actually doubt. It is very useful for him to use that position to continue leveraging attention. But it's for the top, and the, but in terms of the top six of the ANC, I think there are very, very serious questions there, whether those divisions that we have seen there, whether those people have the guts to step up and, in the first place, call the ANC to task, and then perhaps um, transferring that into the ANC. But unless the parliament, unless parliament steps up, because mm-hmm. prisons are removed through parliament, through majorities there. Professor Boyson. Steps up, it's not going to work. Professor Boyson, unfortunately, we have to leave it there for now. We have run out of time. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. That was Professor Susan Boyson, political analyst, joining us on the line just to give us an update or to chat about uh, the cabinet reshuffle that we saw taking place after midnight last night. Now, in other news, your favorite radio station, Channel Africa, will from today change its payoff line from the African Renaissance to the African Perspective. This is in line with the direction the station is taking in telling our stories. Channel Africa staff is excited about the change. Hi, my name's Brett Wilkinson. I'm executive producer with Current Affairs Programs. Been here for over 30 years. When I started out with Channel Africa, the mission statement said, our story. We've come full circle, and now we're the African perspective. I think it's appropriate, and I like it. So listen to Channel Africa, the African perspective. I'm Ayanda Mkwanazi. I'm an online writer and producer. I'm quite excited about this new launch. It will give us an opportunity as Africans to tell the African stories that really matter to African people. Stories of poverty, stories of success, stories of failure, challenges. But most importantly, it will give us an opportunity to be where the stories are happening. And I look forward to being part of this new channel launch. And I'm quite excited about the future going forward. Channel Africa, from an African perspective. My name is Zondani Sakala Nzunzunde. I'm a producer, presenter, as well as a journalist and I work for Chinyanja Service of Channel Africa. We shall be changing from the voice of the African Renaissance to Channel Africa from the African perspective in our programming. Channel Africa from the African perspective. My name is Chanceline Louraqua Bahati. I'm a journalist, French producer at Channel Africa. We are changing from the voice of African Renaissance to African perspective. I am very happy because we need change in our life. And those were the views of Channel Africa staff on the station's new payoff line. Now, to find out more on the changes here on Channel Africa, we are now joined in studio by our station manager, Soli Petwe. Ndade Petre, thank you so much for joining us. These are ex- exciting times. Channel Africa's new payoff line? It is. It is, Jululu, and uh, with <coughs> SSS management and its staff, we thought that this is the time for us to move and to change from the renaissance now to the perspective. 
Why in particular the perspective? We've seen over the years um, when Channel Africa started, it was The Voice from Africa. And then a couple of years later, it was Our Story. Um, This was after former president or the late president Nelson Mandela Mm -hmm. uh, was released Mm -hmm. from prison. And then came uh, uh, the African Renaissance. And this is during uh, former president Thabo Mbeki's era. And then now it is The African Perspective. I believe is that I mean that the station is growing, but the other thing that we are taking uh, into cognizance uh, is the fact that uh, the, there's, there's so much development in as far as technology is concerned. Mm-hmm. Channel Africa will soon migrate to what is called a digital uh, radio mondial, whereby uh, it will be on par with other radio stations such as your BBCs, your Dutch Wales, and all that. The reason why we're moving towards that is that uh, the current um, shortwave, which is analog, mm. is, 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 is outdated. People are no more using that. However, as a way of reaching the entire continent, even these uh, international broadcasters that I mentioned, BBCs and others, mm. they are also moving towards that. But the other thing is uh, radio uh, has developed into a multi platform or a multimedia um, organization. Mm-hmm. We are not only in terms of voices. We are have now internet. We have now moved into social media. Mm-hmm. We are now even going to have uh, videos on our, our internet. And looking at the current uh, logo, mm-hmm. that logo was not giving us uh, that uh, free movement. was mm-hmm. not giving even uh, technologically. It was difficult for your 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 your, your artist mm-hmm. you know to change it to suit a certain thing mm. now we so we thought let's move to to towards a more user friendly logo mm-hmm. but secondly what we also thought in as far as the perspective is concerned is that we have been born last day we celebrated 50 years yes yes therefore we are no more like uh, newborns. Mm. We have now moved to another stage. Mm-hmm. What we are saying is that uh, we are proud now to tell the African story. African story by Africans themselves. From the African perspective. From the African perspective. It's, yes. a, it's a beautiful logo. And now let, let's, let's speak about when these changes come into effect. We had a chat with a uh, marketing manager yesterday, and uh, she just briefly highlighted, um, you know, when uh, these changes will be coming into effect. Can you just go into details as to um, what exactly our listeners should be expecting in terms of these changes? Yes. There are some programs that are basically going to be revamped. Mm-hmm. But there are new offerings that are on the line. From Monday in particular, mm-hmm. we are going to have uh, new programs that will be launching. Uh, some of them, I mean, now we will be issuing out releases over the weekend. But also, the fact that we do not want to be seen only as an information radio station. Mm. We also want to give people more entertainment, more entertainment in the form of music. Mm. For instance, I mean, we have one of our presenters called Morris, mm. who is based in Zimbabwe. Mm. He will be giving us uh, a, a music program, a music program that is also infotainment in the sense that uh, he will also I- have interviews with some of the artists. Mm. But then we also we continue to have 
um, artists such as uh, Richard Mwamba. Mm-hmm. I mean, a presenter such as Richard, Richard Mwamba. Mm-hmm. And then he'll also try to work out his programs in such a way that uh, they are thematic. You know, when, uh, for instance, coming next month, which mm-hmm. is April, mm-hmm. in South Africa, that is Freedom Month. Yes, it is. Now, that is now the type of thing, uh, a program approach that we'll be having, where you'll also look at some of the artists that participated in the Freedom or in the struggle to have this country uh, free. Mm. And these are not only South African artists. Obviously, I mean, we've got the, a, a, a number of them, mm. some from the continent and, 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 and all that. But the other thing that we are also looking at, there were certain programs that were uh, used to, to drive the station's mandate. Mm-hmm. But if you look at those programs, some of them were, were, were played over the weekends. Mm. which to me i felt that they were relegated mm. now we are going to move those programs to prime time mm-hmm. we are also look uh, working towards uh, rejecting our strategy to make sure that uh, uh Swahili, which is the most spoken language in the continent mm-hmm. is given uh, prime time meaning that i mean uh, people uh, Kiswahili speaking people will also be have a chance now to have more uh, a bigger platform. A bigger platform. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that uh, we have seen some interest from some broadcasters, some of them very small community radio stations, mm-hmm. some uh, nation, um, uh, national stations, and private radio stations wanted to take our. Uh, content yes. and put it on their platforms. So mm-hmm. what we are saying is that uh, you cannot give somebody something that is not of quality. Mm. So hence we're moving towards uh, let's change this. But also we want to say we are not just a radio station. We want to drive people even to our, in- uh, to our, to our internet. Mm. We want to use the internet to drive people to platform mm. yeah. so it's ent- entertainment it's it's in- infotainment edutainment um and <coughs> everything that comes with it the message just listening to um some of our our colleagues and staff members talking you can hear the passion coming through and and some of them having been here for many years and seeing the station gradually going through a different stages up until to this time where we're talking of the african <coughs> uh, perspective this morning what exactly is happening the launch taking place um you know who will be part of the launch uh, process and uh, you know going forward as you mentioned that everything is going to be starting from monday which will be um the third of the april third. yes so this morning what's this going morning to be what happening? you're having is, is is more like your official launch mm-hmm. we have even invited some of the ambassadors mm-hmm. from the continent mm-hmm. to come and witness this to yes. come and celebrate with us the launch of that thing mm-hmm. and i'm happy that uh, uh staff members are also excited about the whole mm, thing. Mm. But we want to say, take ownership of this. This is your station. Mm. This is your changes. Mm. And we really want to impress. We want to take uh, the big stations uh, head on. Head on. In, in terms of... Uh, uh, the new offering that will be coming up. And very quickly, I am getting signals that we have run out of time, but uh, a message to our listeners. Our listeners, these are the people that drive the station in terms of, you know, what they want to hear. And I'm sure you've been getting messages to say this is what we're looking for. And that's some of the changes that are taking place currently. What, it, what do you say to our listeners? Our listeners, we are saying that uh, as Channel Africa, we will be bringing stories from your areas. 
We will be bringing stories that will make Africans talk to Africans. Mm. We will be in a position to, to analyze stories from an African perspective. We, want, we do not want to be dictated by the Western or the Eastern. Mm. What you're saying is that we are Africans, we must tell our story, and we should be in a position to be proud of that. Well, there you have it. That is our st- station manager, Soli Petwe, giving us an update of the launch that will be taking place. And I think it's 11.30 this morning and the new changes that will be taking place. So embrace those changes, exciting changes, the African perspective from Monday morning, the 3rd of April. Something is changing at Channel Africa. Could it be news? Could it be your favorite presenter? Could it be? That's for you, our listener, to find out. From the 1st of April 2017, something will be changing or happening on your radio station. Be the first one to find out by staying tuned in. Don't miss it. Remember to check our website and all social media platforms such as Twitter at Channel Africa One, our Facebook page and Instagram and YouTube. It's 8.36 Central African time and we have taken up a lot of Anne Musa's time. It's time for the headlines. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musan. The headlines, the South African Communist Party now has to decide whether to go through with a threat to withdraw its members from the cabinet. Now that Finance Minister Praveen Godan and his deputy Mkabisi Jonas have been fired. The state of emergency in Mali has been extended by 10 days. The measure has been renewed several times since she had stormed the Radisson Blue in Bamako in November. And the UN Children's Fund UNICEF says rates of child malnutrition and disease are rising sharply in Somalia as famine looms in the country. Those are the stories making headlines. Thank you. And you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Now, the South African rand has taken a dive following the news that Finance Minister Pravin Gordon has been removed in last night's cabinet reshuffle. This morning, it's trading at 13 rand 47 to the US dollar. For more on this, Balisa Kibisi and Aldrin Sampier spoke to Dr. Azza Jamin, and chief, a chief economist at Econometrics. Let's just start with the rent. I mean, an hour before the announcement, when speculation was very rife that President Jacob Zuma was about to reshuffle his cabinet, we saw the rent plummeting between 3 and 4 percent. Yes, and after the announcement, it plummeted another 3 Even to more. 4 percent. Yes. So the rand is down about uh, 6 percent at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. is, it, is it at all surprising um, that the rand would plummet? At the beginning, at the, before the announcement is made and even after the announcement is made? No, it's not at all surprising. The fact is that uh, Praveen Gordon was seen as the bastion of resistance to uh, the perceptions of corruption and nepotism and uh, patronage within government. And therefore, 
his, what whoever would replace him, unless it was someone who was very closely aligned to Pravin Gordon, uh, it would elicit a negative reaction. Mm. And that's what we have seen. And speaking about him being the bastion, we saw that also play out at the Katrada funeral where the director of um, the Katrada Foundation asked him to stand up and um, he got a round of applause there, um, a standing ovation there. And uh, one then wonders that um, considering this cabinet reshuffle that President Jacob Zuma has now brought in uh, Malusi Kikaba to replace, um, uh, uh, to replace uh, um, Godan, um, Malusi Kikaba obviously being an experienced person within the executive, um, as Palisa mentioned, earlier on having served in two ministries, uh, public enterprise as well as home affairs. Do you think that the markets would then welcome such a move that you are bringing in somebody who's experienced? Um, from the point of view of bringing in someone who's experienced, yes, it may be of some use, but the fact is that his record as Minister of Public Enterprises and subsequently as Minister of Home Affairs, insofar as what happened to foreign tourism is concerned, uh, were, have not endeared him to the business community at all. And so I don't think this will be a very popular uh, appointment. Would that be because of his lack of experience within the economy, within the business sector? No, not at all. It's just that uh, public enterprises performed very poorly under his uh, uh, ministry. Uh, to some extent, the, the management has actually even improved slightly under Lynn Brown, which tells you something. And secondly, uh, as Minister of Home Affairs, he introduced some draconian requirements for foreign tourists to visit the country, and that had a very negative impact on foreign tourism in 2015. And we have seen uh, now he was forced eventually to rescind those laws. Uh, so despite being warned against introducing them, he went ahead and introduced them and then was forced to uh, claw back on those. And since he's clawed back, foreign tourism has boomed again. Oh, so right. clearly it cost the economy dearly. Speaking about uh, political stability, and um, you look at the finance ministry, for instance, uh, over the past two years, we've had four ministers, and I'd just like to have your views on this. Does this really point to stability? Two years, four different ministers. Well, the fact is that there was stability prior to the uh, firing of Ntlantla uh, Nene. Then we had a period of great instability over a few days. Then we've had a period of relative stability. Uh, the fact is, you're quite right, uh, we're changing finance ministers uh, frequently, but in the intermittent period, we've had relative stability. Dr. Zemin, what's going to happen now in terms of our rating standings with our rating agencies? I think there's a very good chance now that the ratings agencies will revise South Africa's credit rating down to sub-investment grade, mainly because of the perception that the new government committed to radical economic transformation will not abide by uh, the prerequisite of uh, trying to limit the rise in the public debt and uh, they will see this as uh, heightening the risk that South Africa's uh, uh, solvency as a country will start being impaired because what do we mean by radical economic transformation if not uh, significant spending on trying to uplift the masses of unemployed persons and providing them with the goods and services that are required. And uh, what, the moment we do that, we run into huge constraints in terms of our ability to pay for, for that. 
That was Dr. Azad Jamin, Chief Economist at Econometrics, speaking to Morning Lights, Palisa Kubisi and Aldrin Sampier. The World Nuclear Association says different countries around the world have to move towards using nuclear energy. The organization says nuclear energy has proven to be a cleaner source of energy and highly efficient. Although it acknowledges that it might seem expensive for South Africa at the moment, it maintains that the benefits of this in the long term far outweigh the initial cost. The World Nuclear Association highlighted this at the 2017 Nuclear Africa Conference held in Pretoria. The much-talked-about nuclear-built program and the cost that will come with it came under the spotlight at the Nuclear Africa Conference. Delegates from different countries discussed the benefits of building nuclear power stations around the world and some of the challenges that come with it. The chairman of the South African Nuclear Energy Corporation, Dr. Kelvin Kem, says it is important for the country to invest in building nuclear power stations. He says, contrary to what has been discussed in public, it will not cost more than one trillion rand to build power stations that South Africa needs. We know what we're getting. We know what the approximate prices are. We know them in pretty fine detail. We're not going to go and expose too many of these numbers to the public in too much detail because this is part of the financial discussion that will now take place with the foreign companies that come and bid. But to imply that we've got no idea is wrong. Now, another perception that the public has which is wrong is that they think that all this money is going to be spent in one year once. It isn't. It's a 10-year program to build three large nuclear power stations. And calculations done by scientists have shown that this figure is about $650 billion. Kim says nuclear scientists and nuclear professionals in South Africa are working closely with government and have come up with the best recommendations for the best possible nuclear power plant solutions for South Africa. But again, a misapprehension on the part of the public is that the government is making these decisions. That's not how it works. It's South Africa's nuclear professionals, nuclear scientists, nuclear engineers who have various groupings where they recommend very firmly what has to be done. Obviously, at the end of the day, it's a, the cabinet makes a final decision for the country, but it's not that they make it by themselves. They make those decisions only after they get very, very serious input from the professionals in the business who know exactly what they're doing. Bear in mind that half a century ago, South Africa took a decision to build a nuclear power plant, and that was Kuburg. And that has turned out to be very successful, has run for longer than 30 years, and is currently producing South Africa's cheapest electricity. And that report uh, by Murafe Tabane. The South African rand has plunged by 5% after President Jacob Zuma fired a finance minister, Pravin Gordon, in a dramatic Midnight to cabinet reshuffle. Home Affairs Minister Madusi Kikaba has replaced Gordon. The rand fell as low as the 1346 before recovering slightly. Gordon's deputy Mkibisi Jonas has also been axed and replaced by ANC MP and businessman Sfiso Putelis. The Nigerian Stock Exchange has been given a green light by its members to become a publicly listed company. The members also approved the appointment of South African Bank First Rand and local investment firm Chapel Hill Denham to guide it through the process of becoming a listed company. 
the second biggest boss in sub-Saharan Africa after Johannesburg and a main entry for investors in Africa. The NSE is owned by stockbrokers and some institutional investors. The Bank of Botswana Governor Moses Sipilaelo has advised Stanbic Bank Botswana to consider listing on the Botswana Stock Exchange as a way of showing commitment to the country and giving uh, Botswana a chance to own shares in the bank. Speaking at the bank's 25th anniversary celebrations held recently, Pilaero applauded Stanbic for the role it played in the development of the local banking industry. Standard Bank is Africa's largest bank by assets. The International Monetary Fund says Malawi should graduate from the cycle of the extended credit facility dependence, which comes to an end this June. The IMF says Malawi should champion a radical change through its economic activities. George Mahongo reports. This follows the visit to Malawi by the IMF team meant to assess progress of the extended credit facility ECF. The ECF provides financial assistance to countries with protracted balance of payments problems. The World Nuclear Association says that different countries around the world have to move towards using nuclear energy. The organization says nuclear energy has proven to be a cleaner source of energy and highly efficient, although it acknowledges it might seem expensive for South Africa at the moment. The World Nuclear Association maintains the benefits of this in the long term far outweigh the initial cost. Morafi Dabana reports. The much-talked-about nuclear build program and the cost that will come with it came under the spotlight at the Nuclear Africa Conference. Delegates from different countries discussed the benefits of building nuclear power stations around the world and some of the challenges that come with it. The chairman of the South African Nuclear Energy Corporation, Dr. Kelvin Kem, says it is important for the country to invest in building nuclear power stations. The U.S. dollar trades at 12.97 in South Africa. It's at 10.25 in Botswana, 9.57 in Zambia. 8.0 to the British par, 9.3 to the euro. Gold, $1,241. Platinum, 9.46. Dollars an ounce. Brand crude, $52.73 a barrel. Channel Africa. Our sports updates up next with Figile Lungwati. Now, sports update this hour will begin with football news. South African Football Association, SAFA, and South African football side, Super Sports United coach, Stuart Baxter is due to meet with the association to discuss a possible return to the Bafana Bafana helm. Baxter was previously in charge of the national team from May 2004 to November 2005 when he was sacked after failing to qualify for the 2006 World Cup. Safa are searching for a new permanent manager after Sheikh Mashaba was relieved of his duties in November last year, with Owen Dagama having since been appointed on an interim basis. Baxter's agent, Steve Kapulsnik, confirmed 
on Wednesday that they had been in contact with Safa regarding the Afana job, while United issued a statement to announce that they had given Baxter the green light to open negotiations. And FIFA announced its proposed slot allocation for the expanded 48-team World Cup today, including an automatic place for Oceania, 16 places for Europe, up from 13 and 16 interzonal playoff tournament for two more sports. The proposals will be submitted to the FIFA Council at its next full meeting in Bahrain in May for a final decision. Under the proposal made by the FIFA Bureau for the enlargement tournament beginning in 2026, Europe would get 16 places, Africa 9, Asia 8, South America 6, CONCACAF 6, and Oceania 1, totaling 46. FIFA President Gianni Infantino. There are different ways of seeing this. Some are saying, well, it should be purely on sporting merits. Others are saying it should be purely on uh, participation, percentage of ma- number of members, and so on. You can see it in many different ways, of course. At the end of the day, uh, mathematics being a precise science and not just an opinion, if you have 48, it's more than 32. And it's 16 more than 32, so it should be possible that everyone has a little bit more than what they have now. So at the end, everyone should be happier than now. I hope we can find a good Swiss compromise on this as well at the end of the day. And the Swiss National Olympic and Commonwealth Games Secretary General Murake Raliaka says his organization is investing in weightlifting athletes for the first time in preparation towards the Commonwealth Games to be held in Gold Coast, Australia in 2018, as well as the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games. They've introduced the qualification uh, criteria. So uh, weightlifting is one of those. And then we want to, for the first time, we're making an investment uh, through our weightlifting federation. Well, then I would like to see if they can be able to attempt the qualification. And, of course, that, that's with the long-term goal of our uh, uh, Tokyo 2020. So we felt the best way to start would be for, for, for Gold Coast 2018. Those, are, I think, are the, 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 the key spot codes that I would say we are making substantial investment in now. Lesotho sprinter Musito Lahata has been undergoing high-intensive training in Mauritius' high-performing center over the past year in preparation for the Commonwealth Games in Australia. He's under the scholarship of the International Amateur Athletics Federation, the IAAF, for training, and Raliaga says the sprinter is in good position to win a medal in Gold Coast. Yeah, I was saying, uh, obviously, the first one will be athletics. Our sprinter is already based in the uh, Mauritius High Performance Training Center. Uh, in fact, as of last year, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was uh, in October, if not November. Immediately after year 2016, he was, he was invited under the IWF scholarship to be based in uh, Mauritius. And then we're going to leverage on that, whereby we know that he's coming in a, a very good uh, position for him to uh, garner the Olympic scholarship program. So you know we are running them uh, concurrently. Finally, with basketball news, the national women's basketball team will on Monday find out whether it has been given a wild card to this year's FIBA Africa Championship set for Bamako in Mali. Kenya finished second at the Zone 5 qualifiers held in Cairo, Egypt, early this month with the host clinching top sport and qualification to the continual showpiece. The men's team, on the other hand, finished in sixth place and cannot be considered for a wild card. Egypt and Uganda men's team sealed the two available berths for Zone 5. Twelve countries will qualify for Africa Championship and one of these will be from the wild card handed by the Continental Basketball League. 
Kenya Basketball Federation Secretary General Vitalis Gode remains confident the country will clinch the ticket to the continental showpiece. That's your sport news this hour. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorka. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Recapping our top stories in Africa, rise and shine at the Sawa South Africa reacts to President Zuma's latest cabinet reshuffle and concerns in the DRC after Catholic bishops' withdrawal from peace talks. That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine today and for the week. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producers Pumuzo Ramagadza and Tutungubeni, technical producer Revelino Ibrahim and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at infochannelafrica.co.za or tweet us at Rise Africa or send an SMS on 277-969-57930. Are taking us to the top of the hour for the news on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa is Salif with a song titled Africa. Like